Hey everyone, and welcome back to the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful day and thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your support. For new listeners, a quick introduction to the show. My name is Liam and I work at a company named Reach Interactive. On the show, I interview marketing experts on a range of topics like SEO, content, paid ads, social media, and everything in between. Episodes usually come out every Wednesday just after lunchtime in the UK. So with that said, I am very excited to introduce today's guest because I've wanted to have an episode on digital PR for a while now. And on top of that, in my opinion, our guest today also has one of the most creative and fun TikTok accounts in terms of showcasing work-life challenges and some of the stuff that goes on in the PR world, which we'll get onto later in the episode. So with that said, our guest today is Louise Parker, who is joining us from Propellernet. So hey, Louise, welcome to the show. And how are you today? Um, I'm okay. I'm doing all right. Obviously, it's lockdown three still, but, you know, just getting through it, really. <laughs> I think the news this week has given us something to look forward to and a fresh uh, set of optimism. So fingers crossed that things go uh, to plan over the next few months. Exactly. We're through through the like bleakest parts of winter, I think. So spring to look forward to. So with that said, could you spend 30 to 60 seconds telling us about yourself and Propellernet, please. So I am the Digital PR Director at Propellernet, uh, which is an agency in Brighton. I also live in Brighton um, and it is a search agency. So we cover off um, SEO and paid search. I am uh, work within the digital PR uh, team at Propellernet. So um, our role that we play within the kind of SEO space is all about creating really interesting, um, unique, fun content for our clients that um, is going to attract great media attention, but also get great links as well. So um, yeah, I've been there for, um, well, about six years, but um, I did have a brief trip to another agency, but I actually came back um, because Proudnet's a lovely place to work. So yes, I've been doing digital PR for quite a long time. I feel like I'm a little bit of a veteran in the digital PR industry. Because as you said, it's just exploded um, in the last couple of years or so. But yeah, been enjoying it now for a number of years. Awesome. I think it's really cool that you've got that experience and you've been able to watch the industry grow and develop over the last few years, um, which is what we'll be talking about um, a little bit when we get started. I also think one of us got a LinkedIn notification then. I'm not sure who it was. Um, But if you did hear it, then apologies. I'm not sure if I'll be able to edit that out. So let's dive in. So digital PR has gone absolutely crazy over the last few months, Louise. Why do you think that is? And is it a case of people creating better content or are marketers and our community wising up to the benefits and sort of getting involved more frequently? Uh, I would say it is a bit of both. As I've kind of mentioned like digital PR has been around for a while. Like there are, you know, some people who kind of really paved the way for it like 10, 15 years ago. So it, it's not just a, a new thing that's happened in the last couple of years. However, over those years, obviously the, the quality has really become a lot higher. And then also like the, the results that you can achieve, everyone's, I guess you always look to improve. So it's just natural to think that, you know, what was um, a kind of 
gold standard of achievement five years ago now when you look back at it it's like oh that's crazy to think that, that was like the pinnacle like we're just always evolving and always trying to push what we want to achieve with it so because of that obviously the results have got better so we have a situation now where um more people are doing it because they hear about more case studies where great results have been achieved so it just kind of snowballs from there i've, I've found that I guess you get your early adopters when it comes to your clients of the people who, you know, first want to give it a go, are happy for someone who works in SEO to do a bit of PR and kind of trusts and allows that to happen. And then now we've got to a, a position where I think it's becoming a lot more, you know, seen as a, a real part of like the marketing mix, definitely part of an SEO mix from my, my perspective when we get new business pitches come in, whereas maybe a couple of years ago, there definitely really wouldn't be a mention of digital PR on there. There might be a mention of link building and we as PropellerNet would go back and suggest digital PR as a way of achieving that. Now there are a lot more um, requests coming in where they're asking for SEO support and specifically calling out, you know, we want some digital PR as well. So it's really positive to see and it's nice that it's becoming, like I said, just a, a normal part of the SEO mix and people know that it, it really works and it provides all these other benefits outside of SEO as well. But ultimately, it really works like links still works a really important way of achieving your kind of whatever goals you're looking for in terms of visibility and organic rankings so if it didn't work people wouldn't want to do it yeah that was a really interesting answer and i definitely think that if you are looking to scale up um, from an seo perspective at least you can really benefit from digital pr because when you get things right then you can gain a lot of attention uh, and a lot of link equity over a short time frame uh, which is much stronger than perhaps doing uh, one-off things like guest posts, etc. I also think that lockdown has contributed to the rise of digital PR a little bit as well. I think people are tired of hearing about the same stories and the same news, and they want news that is different and exciting. So these campaigns that are unique and quirky and sparking interest, they're also sort of like attracting a wider audience of people that may not have clicked on an article maybe a year ago or maybe before lockdown. What I really like about it is, like I really like the SEO industry in general. I know some people try and pick kind of traditional SEOs against digital PRs and things like that. But personally, in my experience, I we we all work together. Like that, you wouldn't have digital PR really without SEO. And but digital PR is the kind of fun, interesting, shiny part. Um, it's as much as you know, you get some great results with tech SEO and content and things like that. Um, to have a really um interesting campaign that gets coverage around the world on all these like amazing websites and gets loads of social shares it's a really you know it's a it's a way of talking about seo that is really going to grab people's attention a lot more and it it provides it shows that seo can be creative and fun and um, useful and unique when it comes to the content that you can produce so i do think that's another reason probably why it's getting quite a lot of uh, interest at the moment because like you said it's it's creating stuff that's interesting and really shareable. That's the whole point of it. And yes, it gets shared with the consumer, but also it will get shared amongst SEO and marketing professionals as well. Yeah, it definitely makes my LinkedIn timeline more exciting for sure. Um, so I'd be very interested to hear about your creative process then. So how do you come up with new ideas and what is your roadmap like in terms of deciding whether a new idea is rolling with and sort of pursuing? When it comes to our digital PR ideas, we'll always start with um, looking and thinking about the audience and also the brand that we're creating ideas for. For us at Propellant, it really helps us to kind of focus in and have more parameters around the ideas that we're coming up with. 
I think if you're just get told, come up with some ideas about fashion, then you could go down so many different routes and it's just, you know, where do you go with that? It's going to be really hard to, it'll take you a while basically, because you'll have to whittle through so many potential ideas that you have. Whereas if you're told, come up with um, a fashion idea for um, a woman who um, is middle-aged and maybe doesn't feel that confident about her body or um, is doesn't have that much to spend. And you kind of build out this persona of a particular audience that you want to be talking to. And that's going to really help you focus in your ideas because yes, you want to come up with something that's great for the media and is really going to capture people's inf- um, imagination and want to be shared a lot, but also you want something that's actually going to speak to a particular person or persons. And also with the, the brand as well, like we have such a range of brands at the agency I work at, but um, that sometimes, you know, they are very um, high end and um, luxury and sometimes they're more um, budget. And so because of that and what they, they kind of stand for, you, you can easily kind of focus in on certain ideas but also rule out a lot of them like we have a number of luxury um travel clients and so there's so many things that you know maybe things like I don't know clubs in uh Europe and things like that which are just not going to be for a luxury minded person so there's um it really does help um, when you're coming up with your kind of creative ideas to be thinking about that and then from my um perspective as like a PR person obviously like we need to be really looking at what the media is talking about and from that obviously what people in general are talking about because the media only reflects what the general public wants to you know read about and um, share so that is really important for us so we will and um, do a lot of research around what are the kind of trending topics at the moment what are things that are just kind of burgeoning like you know what's the thing that everyone's watching on Netflix like from you know quite simple um everyday things like that but it's really important to kind of Uh, tap into what we think the media they're going to therefore going to want so there's that part of it (laughs) then there's so many factors with it it's um it's quite I feel like some people think and sometimes ideas do just like pop into your head and they're great but actually there's so much behind it when it comes to like you said like whittling out the ones and knowing which ones that you want to um pursue and for us um as a coming from a digital PR so an SEO frame of mind we also have the, the KPI really in mind so ultimately we are tasked to get great coverage which gets us great links and we need to be thinking about whether that idea is going to um, be able to go out to as many different um, publications as possible um, are we are we going to be able to go out to websites that have never um, covered our brand before and never linked to our brand before all these kind of more less creative and more logistical things to think about in terms of because you you know you could have a great idea but if it doesn't get you any links or gets you links from places you've got links from before and things like that, you know, have you really achieved what you you were set out to and what you were briefed to do? Um, so all sorts of factors like that uh, go into it. I think what idea you kind of pursue is that then you have to put your bit more of a boring filter on of like, is it going to do the job, basically? Yeah, sounds good. I think lots of things happen in the background then that we probably don't realise in other industries. One thing that interests me as well is where you find trending topics. So are you using sites like Buzzsumo and Google Trends or are there other tools that we could uh, check out if uh, any listeners are in digital PR that could be used sort of for inspiration and to find out what the media is talking about? I wish I could list off some really cool resources for you right now. But, you know, the thing that I use the most personally is Twitter. And obviously 
not just looking at your own timeline. I think everyone's social media has become their own echo chambers of just people who are just like them. But looking at the trending topics in the kind of discovery pages of of Twitter and things like that and other social media platforms as well. Like, yeah, uh, Instagram and Facebook also are really helpful. They're not something that I personally use, but I think it's really important to, like I said, to kind of step out of the places that you just are and, and start discovering around there. I do know that BuzzSumo, it, it kind of takes all that into account. So I really should start using that more. I use BuzzSumo for other reasons, like um, building out media lists and things like that. But um, so I probably should do something a bit more high tech. But for me personally, it is just spending a lot of time on social media. Yeah, I also love Twitter. I think maybe it's just my opinion, but I feel like everything starts on Twitter and then filters out across to other social platforms things like Instagram meme pages, etc. a few weeks later, or at least um, a little bit later. So let's say that you've created a really cool PR campaign to support a, uh, let's say a fashion brand that is targeting middle-aged women that are low on confidence, which is the example you used. How would you then get that to the right people uh, in terms of press? And do you have a few quick tips that you could share with us? I guess sometimes when it comes to PR, and again, it doesn't sound the most technologically savvy, but there is an element of like knowing the media, knowing the customers that they and audiences that they go after. There is an element of it's quite obvious, but something that's really useful is looking at the media packs that online publications will put together. So they're normally used for advertisers, but they they contain all the information around kind of demographics, interests, income, all sorts of stuff of who their readers are. So it just literally spells it out for you. So that's a really good way of legitimately finding out who is actually reading this. And I think there's also a point where where um, uh, like kind of national publications and things like that you, they are always going to be applicable. I know that they're obviously are going to you know a, a Times reader and a and the Sun's reader are very different, but sometimes national coverage just goes so far and wide and gets so widely spread on social media to people outside those groups as well that it is something to consider and not go too niche when it comes to um you know I'm only going to go to x y and z because I only want to talk to these people there is benefit also to kind of spreading that message far and wide because you never know who it's going to land in front of or even you know old school like who's actually someone might have read it and then they actually go and talk to someone or they you know whatsapp it to them and things like that like your kind of story does get spread in other ways not just you know the actual visitors to that particular website so it's something that I always keep in mind really you don't know how your your news and your content gets kind of shared throughout the you know just in life. Yeah it's really interesting and I definitely wouldn't call myself a reader of some publications here in the UK uh, particularly the gossipy ones Uh, but sometimes a funny or an interesting story lands on those sites And it'll get shared in my group or I'll see it on social media or somewhere and I'll click on it and it'll sort of make me smile and it'll entertain me for a few minutes. So I think you made a great point about seeing the bigger picture and understanding that national press can help you reach a wide range of people that might not necessarily be associated with their reader demographics. Moving on then, one article that I really enjoyed reading last month was from Giselle Navarro at Neoman Studios. Um, She created a list of 28 digital PR campaigns that she wished she'd produced, um, which I'll add to the show notes. It had some really cool examples that can be used as inspiration and sort of gives you a cool five minutes of sort of seeing what people are doing in the industry. Um, So I was wondering if there are any campaigns that you've really enjoyed lately that you might wish that you'd worked on. So I saw this go live the other day and it is from the guys at Rise at Seven um, and 
I can't remember the client, so that's terrible, but um, it was a, it's a sweet ring. So like a Haribo sweet ring, but made real. So it is, I think it's something ridiculous, like 25,000 pounds or something to actually buy. So in reality, I don't think anyone's actually going to be buying it, but uh, it is designed to look exactly like a Haribo ring. It's from, you know, a lovely jeweler who's done some quite like playful things before. So it kind of really fits their brand. And it's just a really lovely idea. Like I have a, a colleague of mine who actually did propose with a Haribo ring and he loved, you know, it, so it's actually got an element of truth within it um, that everyone kind of knows that reference and to make it into a real ring. It's just really inspired. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I saw that as well. And I thought it was fun. I think everyone has probably put a Haribo on their finger and pretended it was a ring at least once in our lives or during our childhood. Um, so it will resonate with a lot of people. I'm curious then as well, sort of, do you have a campaign that you've worked on yourself, which you enjoyed recently that you could perhaps share with us as well? Um, well, it's from Propellinet, but I actually didn't run it. It was um, so uh, other people um, in the PR team. So it kind of is also counts as one that I'd wish I'd done as well. But um, it was uh, it's called the Rage Yard and we did it for a client called uh, Scrap Car Comparison. They scrap cars, if you hadn't have guessed. Um, and uh, so we set up the Rage Yard, which was at the end of 2020. Uh, you could go and um, pay £20 and 20p to go and smash up cars so that you could release your rage for the horrible year that had just passed. Um, and so all the frustration could be just taken out on smashing up some cars. We did a really, I say we, I didn't, the team did a really cool um, video that kind of really captured people's attention. It went all around the world because again, same thing with the, the kind of Harry Boring, it's relatable, everyone had a crap year. Um, so it kind of, it makes sense. And it also makes sense for the brand as well. Like coming up with ideas for a scrap car brand is not the easiest of things, but it was so literal, it was genius because who, who wouldn't want to smash up something because they're very annoyed. Uh, so it did really, really well. Um, so really proud of that, but also wish I'd worked on it. That's another really fun one. I think £20 to smash up a lot of cars sounds like a really good deal, uh, especially given the last year. And a lot of these campaigns are targeted towards fun and lighthearted humour and stuff. And I think that's why they're working really well. So we do have time for a couple of questions before we wrap up. And I wanted to first talk about your TikTok videos, uh, which I mentioned in the introduction. So you've been creating some really fun TikTok videos around PR, industry trends, challenges, the day-to-day -day life and stuff like that. So I'd love to know what inspired you to launch your account, how it's going, and if you could sort of share any insights with us about it. So what inspired me was, uh, I guess, intrigue and boredom because I started it in the first lockdown. So I had a lot more time on my hands and it's been great. It's I, I've been surprised by how, many, how much interest it has had. Um, I basically kind of decided to do it because if you've been on TikTok or um, seen any videos, some most kind of creators on there will have a thing. So it could be that they talk about uh, veganism or fashion or like there's one girl who just makes videos about potato recipes. Like having a niche really works for you on there and all your videos are kind of around that. And for me, the one that stuck out that I thought I'd be able to speak about the most was digital PR. TikTok is all about, or a lot of it is about humor and comedy and taking the piss and it's very me. Um, so it just suited me better. I mean, the irony is I then put these TikToks on LinkedIn and Twitter and just completely mash up all the mediums anyway, um, but they seem to go down well. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a great experience. I just take inspiration from my, my life as a digital PR and I think things that everyone else has experienced. So it's all quite fairly relatable stuff in sometimes a depressing way, but it's all lighthearted. 
Yeah, well, I've watched a few of them on LinkedIn that you've shared, and they have given me uh, some laughs over the last uh, month or two. What I'll do is post a link in the show notes as well to your TikTok profile so people can check that out if they want to. Um, so we have time for one more question during this main section. Anyone that listened to our episode last week with Mark Williams-Cook will be anticipating it because I asked the same thing to him and got a really interesting response. So let's talk about that tweet from John Mueller that made headlines in the SEO and PR community last month. So it all started about three or four weeks ago when you tweeted about the rising popularity of digital PR and how that might lead to more investment and roles in the industry. And you got a nice reply from John that said, um, he loves some of the things that digital PR is doing. It's a shame that it gets bucketed with spammy link building sometimes, um, but it is just as critical as tech SEO and probably more so in many cases. And of course, what that did is everyone started talking about it for a week or two afterwards. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on his response, not necessarily the comparison between tech SEO and PR, but just what it might do for the industry and sort of the reaction that you got. Um, so it's really nice to get some kind of comment from Google and kind of a bit of a legitimization of, of the industry as its whole, a bit of a seal of approval, which is fantastic. It's digital PR and link building is one part of SEO. There are, you know, tech SEO and content still are really, really important and it just all works together. Um, you know, you wouldn't build links to a site that Google, you know, that isn't built correctly in terms of Google's eyes and, you know, that needs tech changes to it. So it does all work nicely together, but I feel like it will help other clients who might at the moment not quite know if they should be doing digital PR or whether, you know, they've got a PR team or they've got an SEO team, why would they need to do digital PR? Something like that from uh, a representative from Google um, is really powerful in helping kind of legitimize us as an industry. Um, so it's only positive. I mean, my mentions went absolutely insane. Uh, none of them were talking to me. <laughs> they were all just talking to John, but um, which is great. But um, yeah, it was it was really interesting to hear everyone's opinion on it. It did start a lot of conversations, which is, this is good. Yeah, I did see a lot of replies to John that you were tagged in. So I hope that that didn't impact your week too much. Um, but I think having those conversations, whether it's in digital PR or SEO or marketing in general, is only going to have a positive impact and make our industries better. Um, so it's great to see people like John getting involved. So we're going to wrap up the main section of the episode here. Thank you for sharing some interesting PR insights with Liz Louise. We'll be closing out the episode with two quick questions that I ask to every guest. So stay tuned. So the closing section of every episode includes two questions that I ask to every guest. Uh, they're usually pretty fun because we get a wide range of answers and it's very unpredictable. So my first question, Louise, is do you have a memorable or a funny story that jumps out when you look back on your career? It could be something that makes you laugh, a career highlight or something embarrassing, for example. When I was first in PR, so um, like as a grad, um, we had a campaign that uh, it was for a deodorant brand, I think it was like for sure. And it was around the time of the Olympics and we were um, decided to kind of honor Dame Ellie, Kelly Holmes, Ellie Holmes, um, and honor Dame Kelly Holmes and with a statue in her hometown in Kent. 
so it was meant to be really empowering and, and a great tribute to her. Uh, when it got revealed, it looked absolutely nothing like her and every single piece of coverage. I think some was some was like front page, like they had the image on there. So it's pretty good coverage, but all of the coverage was saying how it looked absolutely nothing like her. It was terrible. Had people kind of from Kent being like, this is, you know, the worst, this is a blight on Kent. Um, so yeah, it just didn't go down as planned. And as a very junior PR person, I was just like wide eyed in the morning being like, oh no, this is just terrible. But you know, these things happen. Yeah, that's a fun one. I think uh, it's definitely unique. Um, do you know if the statue is still there? I don't actually know. I've tried to look this up. I, I, I don't think so. I don't, God knows where it is, probably in someone's basement somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe someone in Kent is listening and they can try and find out for us. And if you do know anything, please get in touch. Um, it would be interesting to know if it's still there. So my final question is, do you have a favorite resource that you use on a regular basis, which could help our listeners? So maybe a blog, a newsletter, a plugin or a podcast, for example. So um, there's a Twitter um, account called Digital PR Examples, which is just a roundup of great digital PR campaigns, as the name suggests. Um, so it's really good if you just want to find out what the whole digital PR thing is about. It's a good thing resource to look through. Or if you're looking for any inspiration or anything like that, it's just a really interesting follow to see what a whole range of agencies and, and companies are up to. Um, and then also, sorry, but it's another podcast. So as well as your own, but um, there's a podcast called Outspeech. Um, it's done by the guys at Impression um, and it's specifically around digital PR. Um, it's only got a few episodes out, but I've listened to them recently and they were really interesting, really good debates on there. Um, so again, if you just want to hear a little bit more about digital PR, it's a great place to head to. Yeah, really cool. Thank you for sharing both of those. So we're going to wrap up the episode right here. Thank you for sharing some wonderful insights around digital PR and the creative process with us. I uh, really enjoyed it. And yeah, I appreciate you joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So a big thank you to everyone that has listened to this episode. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week for our first episode in March. We have some really cool episodes lined up for the entire month. So I'm looking forward to sharing them with you. Um, and we'll see you then.